Blog Talk Radio. Gazette Online. This is the TS Radio Network, and tonight our show is in the mix. It's me and Kaz. Uh, Kaz, say hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And I expect her to bring pastries around for everybody, but she never does. <laughs> uh, we're going to be doing something a little different. I want to remind everybody these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. It's an annual event in Washington, D.C., and we're still waiting on word of what's going to happen this year because of this faked-up virus thing. But we'll keep you posted. As we know anything, we'll let you know. Anyway, uh, we've got with us tonight Marsha Joyner, and Marsha is the host of Betrayed by Hospice. She has a show every other Wednesday night on TS Radio, and this has turned out to be quite the show uh, you might have thought there would have been a dearth of people to come on, and instead, the stories are never-ending. Families standing and watching their family member, their loved one, whomever, murdered right in front of them by hospice, and not really realizing many times what just happened until it's all over. Um, this, These shows will give you shivers listening to them. What we're going to be talking about, focusing on, tonight is the nurses who do this. Um, As Marcia had posited in her little posting here, uh, what is the definition of a serial killer? What is an angel of mercy? And is there really a difference between the two? And I'm claiming there is not. Um, You just found a way to do it to keep out of jail. They're killing people. They are intentionally murdering people. They are drugging them. Marcia will tell you all about that. But this is what's happening now, you can say what you want. I know hospice has, is running on its old reputation of Good Samaritan. But this changed under Obamacare. They got $11.5 billion, that's with a B, a big capital one, infusion of cash to go from Good Samaritan to the Grim Reaper. And they get paid to do what they're doing. This is when they redefined food and water as medical treatment. Not as a human right and necessity, but medical treatment. This way, when they call futility of care, and any doctor anywhere can make that call. Any doctor. They can call a doctor over in Beetlejuice, Egypt, and if he says futility of care, the world comes to an end. It can be any doctor. And so if the one that's on the case won't cooperate, you can just go get somebody else. But anyway... They immediately begin dehydrating and starving people while they're drugging them. This is, I I don't even know what to say here. We know that in the hospitals, doctors were doing this. Uh, It was a little under the radar, dark secret, you know, 
there's nothing else we can do. Let's just finish this off. And they did. And they are. But now hospice has taken it over and it's big business. Like I say, they aren't the Good Samaritan anymore. These are the Grim Reapers. And the people doing the job, doing the deed, are these nurses. And I want to ask again, how do you go to work and spend your day doing things to defenseless people that will cause the end of their life? Go home like nothing happened, get up the next day, and go back and do it again. Where did these people come from? And why are there so damn many of them? With that, I want to bring our guest on, uh, Marcia Joyner. Marcia, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Marty. I uh, appreciate yeah. you letting me finish up. We had some technical difficulties yeah. Wednesday and didn't get to get to this portion. And I think it's very important that people understand that they do not accept what hospice tells you because they're going to tell you that the person is dying. And what we have found to be true is hospice used to be for the actively dying, but today people, if you're incontinent or you can't dress yourself or feed yourself, they can enroll you into hospice, and now you become one of those people that, in essence, has less than six months to live. But what is happening is it's a lot less than six months. Your person is enrolled, and within days or weeks, they start to decline rapidly. And when you ask, they may just give you a pamphlet or tell you it is the dying process, and you're just supposed to accept that. And because we've been taught that hospice is compassionate, when you go in there, they're very helpful. We see it on Facebook all the time, and people have good experiences with it. And some people do, and not all hospices are bad, and not all nurses are grim reapers. But what we've experienced, they are. So when someone says they had a great experience, I'm very happy for them that they believe that, and maybe they did or maybe they just don't know that their loved one's life was ended prematurely and their death was hastened. So that's what our intent is um, tonight, to warn you about that. Do not just blindly trust. This is a perfect death storm. They are given carte blanche once you're enrolled because everybody is going to say, well, that's hospice. What do you expect? That, that's what they do. And it is what they do, but it is not consensual. And, and I, this is my entire belief. If someone comes in and they're actively dying, they are in a great deal of pain, and you say, I'm going to give you this morphine, and it's going to make you sleepy, groggy. You're not going to be able to communicate with your loved ones. They tell you the side effects that could be from that. And you say, yes, that's what I want because I don't want to be in pain and I am in that much pain, then that's consensual. You need to sign consent and then they will start doing that. But it should be to minimize pain, not to drug you into a coma, into unconsciousness, and then you die from starvation and dehydration and toxic drugs. And that is a horrible, painful way to die. And the family stands by and watches this horror unfold desperate to do something to save their loved one, and they can't. And just like Marty said, these people are in there each day. They see you sitting up, you're awake, you're eating, you're talking, and within days you're in a coma, and they don't understand that the drugs they just gave you put you in that coma, then they shouldn't be administering them if they do not know what those drugs will do. 
And if they do know, they are complicit in premeditated murder. So that's tonight what I kind of wanted to kick off on is some research that I did on serial killer. And I'd like to give you the definition. It is a person who commits a series of murders, often with no apparent motive and typically following a characteristic, predictable behavior pattern. Now, what is the definition of an angel of mercy or an angel of death? It's a type of criminal offender, often a serial killer, who is usually employed as a caregiver and intentionally harms or kills people under their care. The angel of mercy is often in a position of power and may decide the victim would be better off if they no longer suffered from whatever severe illness they determine is plaguing them. This person then uses their knowledge to kill the victim. As time goes on, this behavior may escalate to encompass the healthy and the easily treated. And I go back to the fact that a lot of the people, if you have congestive heart failure or COPD, you're not actively dying, and you can be treated with medication or in a situation with kidney issues, you can receive dialysis. But because hospice has become such a big corporation, they would much prefer to go ahead and a doctor to justify and say, oh, well, that person qualifies for this. We might as well put them in. They will stop giving you any dialysis. They can stop your medication for the congestive heart failure, or they can give it to you. It's up to the particular ones. But in any case, once you are put into hospice, you now become part of the Medicare, Medicaid fraudulent thing that they're doing now to get people in and to have all of this money because you're told it is a free service. And it is, but it isn't. You paid your entire life into Social Security, into Medicare, into health benefits, and now when you get older, you expect that that money is going to be there for you to live a comfortable life and for you to be healthy. But that is not what is going to happen because they do not want you spending that money, and they would rather process you through. It is a horrible thing that is going on. So um, I'm going to... I do have some examples here I'd like to go over, but I want to give um, Marty and Kaz a chance. I don't want to take over the whole program. So um, if y'all want to jump in, and I'll go to some of the examples afterwards. I guess I I would say that it just really ties in with guardianship just because we're talking about nurses, and I also believe that guardians have these capabilities to do these sort of things. I know when we went to visit one of my family members, they had up on the board, have you ever heard, if you see the letters NPO, do you know what that means? In the hospital room, and I didn't know except that there was a a person in med school that was with me and saw what it was. And basically that means do not give food by mouth, like nothing by mouth, no food, no water. And when we saw this, and this um, this person, this family member of mine, was eating his his sheets in the hospital, we asked the nurse, you know, well, what, you know, what what's going on, you know? He, and um, there was an aide that had been with him and said he was eating the other day. He's fine to eat. Oh no, 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 he's going to officiate, or how do you say that word? Exfis- that word. Officiate. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's going to be. You know, and so oh no, he can't eat. He, you know, he can't eat. And so I guess 
I upset people when I said, so the plan is we're just going to let them die. How soon can we kill them off? Kind of, and they were so upset. And they're like, well, we can't talk to you. We can only talk to the guardian, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they, we created enough stir that they said, well, we'll test him for comfort food. He lived for another eight months after we, like, called him out on all this. But otherwise, had that not been seen, had we not been told what NPO is, and we were taking pictures of all this around the room. So you tell me that he needed hospice and he can't eat and he's going to aspirate on everything. And then when we pitch the fit and start taking the pictures and accuse everyone of murder, he lives for eight more months. I find that to be interesting. Well, it would have been like 10 days otherwise. Exactly. Because they're processing them through. Just, you Mm -hmm. know, they don't have any value. And there is no remorse when they see what the family is going through and they see what the patient goes through. They go home. They don't have any remorse over this. And how can someone, like Marty said, do this day in and day out and not feel like they're doing something terribly wrong? I, so I, you know, the, um, I think they love it. They enjoy it. it, it they're so sick. And I have some, one in the eye. something I, broken. It, yeah. There's I something think they broken in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They say there are four um, main types of serial killers, and they're thrill seekers, visionary killers, power or control seekers, and mission-oriented killers. And I think for the hospice, now yours may be like the power of the control seekers, but I think for hospice Mm -hmm. that it's a mission-oriented, and they feel like they're doing society a favor by ridding it of certain people. And that could be, you know, prostitutes, um, you know, gay people, drug dealers, people that they they make a determination that society could be better Mm -hmm. without. And that's where our elderly fall in because they can call them because they're not useful to society anymore. They're not paying into anything, and they cost more money than to euthanize them, so they just want to get rid of them. And it's a perfect murder execution crime because it's under the radar because people think if you're in hospice, you're there to die, and and you are. I mean, that is what's happening. Um, It says that the mission... The mission-oriented crime falls into a category of either a mercy killer, and that's what I believe the hospice is, where they believe the victims are suffering or beyond help, though this belief could be delusional. They twistedly believe they're doing the patient a favor by putting them out of their misery. But who are they to make that decision? Marcia, have you noticed? Yes, ma'am. The similarity between how hospice operates and how these people that supposedly have COVID are treated in the hospital. They do the same thing. They basically call futility of care on them. And then they don't feed or hydrate them. They stop all uh, uh, treatment for pre-existing conditions, what they call comorbidities, Mm -hmm. and they die. Gee, I wonder how that happened. And they well, get paid. and the same thing in the nursing homes. Yes. Right. Yes. And and all because they're older. And and that's mm-hmm. why they make that determination. And I think that the people that are in the facilities where they're paying like five, six, seven thousand um, dollars a month, and I check that the mm-hmm. 
standard care, universal care in the United States, the average cost is $7,100 for a nursing home. Now, I don't know about you, but um, $7,100 a month is difficult to come by. And I think if your loved one is in one of the facilities where you are privately paying, I think they'll keep them alive as long as you have money. But I think that once you don't have that money, they are going to decline very rapidly because they're not getting paid for them. They're not going to let them live. Right. But that's, I mean, who can afford that? Um, yeah. The other type of the category is the sadistic one, which is what we were just talking about, uh, a position of exerting power and control over helpless victims. And I think that uh-huh. falls into what caused what you were talking about, guardianship and, you know, the nursing home and the hospitals a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, and a lot of these people are not, you know, especially at the nighttime shift, they don't get paid a lot of money to come in and right. You know, nurse maid and change change their sheets and do that. And you don't know what they're doing. There's not somebody there who's watching over it. Look at the situations where you have um, a male orderly, and I'm not picking on men, but you have a male orderly and he is sexually abusing the elderly patients. You know, if they have dementia or you know they're bedridden, and this is going on and nobody's paying attention to it. Why? Because right. the, to them, they don't matter. They're elderly. Yeah, right. Their life is not important. Yeah. And it's tragic. And, and it, you know, cameras should be everywhere, and people should be ashamed of themselves, and you need to rid the world of people like that. They need to be in jail. Um, I the agree. Other yeah. one, uh, the other mission-oriented crime is a malignant hero, um, a malignant, yeah, malignant hero, um, and it's a pattern where the subject endangers the victim's life in some way and proceeds to save them. And I think we've seen that as Munchausen syndrome by proxy, so they can yes. pretend mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. really doing something great. So those are the three uh, different categories for the mission-oriented crime, and I do believe that our nurses are falling into this that they believe that the patient is better off dead because of comorbidity, right. because they have cancer, they have dementia, and that's not even touching the cases where the family member wants to rid themselves of that person, whether it be a monetary or they just don't want to deal with them anymore. So wow. I, yeah, I think that's it, it, The horrible. whole thing to me, <laughs> what I've seen over especially about the last three to four years, there is a concerted effort to marginalize the elderly people. I see too many comments, well, you know, they're at the end of life anyway. Well, you know, they're old. They've lived their life. And, you know, why waste money? You know, it's a waste of money because they're not going to get any. That's fine as long as it's not you laying there. Mm-hmm. And That's right. Yeah. But when do we, all of this, this screaming about we're a Christian nation and God loves us, excuse me, we're murdering people intentionally because we don't want to be bothered with them. We don't want to pay or for their health care. Or because they cost much money. Right. Yes. And uh, so where's all this? And I can't tell you, in the guardianship thing most especially, the number of churches I have called and said, your parishioner, your member of your congregation is caught up and they need your support. Oh, we can't do that. 
that you know that's political. That's not political. That's mm-hmm. humane. What, what what are you talking about? Oh, we can't do. We'll lose our tax exempt status. They are totally silent. And the same thing with hospice. They won't say a word. Not a word will they stand up and object to this. No. But and, and what better place? Than okay. in a congregation yeah. where you have hundreds of people and a minister stands up and says, you know, I'd like to just comment, you know, because they'll talk about abortion, but mm-hmm. they need to talk about euthanasia. They need to tell their congregation who is a many times, and they have a lot of elderly people, and they need to warn them when hospice comes up, you need to know all your facts first. I mean, get the pamphlets. We can get pamphlets from Halo that – show this information they show you the drugs that they will use and you can get that information and they can hand them out to everybody in the congregation i don't think people even would even mind paying for it you know it'd save your life what's your life worth but they don't exactly exactly uh but like i say this devaluing of the elderly and um you know, I've had a lot of conversations with people about history and how we've gone through this periodically before well, they'll purge the population. And, of course, I've always talked about that book, White Trash, The Untold History of the United States. But it was where they uh, actually they gave a bunch of land that they claimed they discovered because nobody was there. They didn't think here in North America. One of the first settlements was uh, here in Georgia. And... But England cleaned its streets of the elderly and prostitutes and the poor and the widows and the orphans. Criminals brought them over here and sold them as slaves or indentured servants to work these new plantations. And then they moved to Ireland. But we go through this, if you look historically, we go through this periodically where they will purge the population of what they consider to be waste. Mm -hmm. And we are considered to be a waste population. They can't tax us anymore for the most part, most of us anyway. So we have become what they consider non-productive and no longer considered to be human capital. That's how our government sees us. They refer to us as human capital. They have commodified us. But when you become dependent on the system, the one you talked about, Marcia, you have having paid into all of your life. Mm-hmm. Well, they've squandered that money on everything else except where it was supposed to go. They don't want to hold up their end of the bargain, so the only thing they can do is get rid of you. And I think between hospice as it exists right now and this COVID, folks, <laughs> you're going to see one of the greatest purges of elderly and people who are chronically ill that's ever been witnessed in history. But well, uh, we already are seeing this is that. Absolute- Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and it's going to get worse. And there again, you go to these hospitals where they're treating people and they're using the hospice method. You know, uh, we do everything to them except help them. And oh my gosh, they died. How did that happen? Um, give us it a check, COVID. please. Yeah, yeah, it was COVID. Mm-hmm. And, um, but so we see this all the time, but I think hospice actually set the standard for this. I truly do. I think they said this. It was a test run. Will this work? Can we get away with it? How quick can you do it? And well, um, they did. We got a government because 
in the nursing homes, they actually called hospice in because they said hospice was accustomed to dealing with the families of people, patients who were dying. So they called hospice in to the nursing homes because they could help explain this to the families. Well, I know how they helped with um, morphine, Ativan, and Haldol. And I have no doubt that if you did toxicology on those people, that the elderly who died in the nursing homes because of COVID, that you would find that they would have large quantities of morphine, Ativan, and Haldol in their bloodstream. Mm -hmm. I I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. It just, well, and the other thing is, too, when you, as you know, dehydrate someone most especially. Now, food, you can go without food for a couple, three weeks. It'll bother you, but it won't kill you. But you remove hydration. Within three to four days, the organs start shutting down, and that's quite painful. And so they'll tell the family, yeah, they'll tell the family, they're in pain. We've got it. We've got it. You don't want them to. You you don't want them to be hurt, do you? Do do you? Do you want them? To, and they'll come in and give them a shot, mm-hmm. and it shuts them down further. And basically, what they are doing is preventing that victim laying there from being too much of a problem. For uh, they're going to kill the pain. Yes. Right. They they don't want to be. But they're bothered. not really killing the and, pain. I don't believe. I don't believe they're really killing the pain. I believe they are disabling them from crying out. And Mm -hmm. if talking about the dehydration, if you – I know in the summertime I work out in the yard a lot, and I don't drink a lot of water. I know. Guilty. But in the middle of the night, I'll wake up with a charley horse, and I jump out of bed, and I'm trying to, you know, get that. Well, imagine a person who's laying there who hasn't been able to drink in days – can you imagine the Charlie yeah. horses or whatever they're called all over their entire yeah. body, the pain that oh they would God. feel? But the nurses do not care. They they do not no. care. It's, it's not about no. that. It's about um, stifling their cries, and it's about keeping yes. them, you know, sedated enough so that they just die and it's easy to convince the family that they're dying oh they're anxious let's give them some ativan oh you know let's give them some haldol no and it's supposed to minimize pain and those people shouldn't even be there the people that have you know dementia or copd or congestive heart failure to me should not be a candidate of hospice and when you have a family right. that would keep that family member at home and you trick them and take them there anyway so that you can kill them, it's murder. If you, the drugs yeah. they give them, if you gave it to a strong, young, healthy person who has absolutely no illnesses whatsoever, takes no drugs, only takes vitamins and you know, runs 10 miles a day, if you gave them the same drugs that they give our loved ones for the duration, the frequency, the combination, that person would die within less than 10 days also. So how is right. it not murder, what they're giving them? It is. It's premeditated right. murder. Well, and the other so one, is too, say, is as they start this drugging, uh, as they start this drugging and the, the person is, like you say, they're in a, if they're not in a coma, they're very close, they're dehydrated, and they'll come in and say, uh, if you say, why don't you give them some water? Oh, they've forgotten how to swallow. 
Mm-hmm. No, they didn't forget how to swallow. You drugged them so bad that the sympathetic nerve system that causes that reflex to happen mm-hmm. is deadened. Mm-hmm. They can't swallow because you drugged them. Try letting up on the drugs and see how that works. But they'll right. come in with all kinds, and they do this every day. They tell this lie, and they forgot it. Well, you don't want them, well, they're in pain. You don't want them to be in pain, do you? Give them some water. That'll ease up. Right. And do you know you can be arrested for giving them food or water once that call's been made? Wow. You could be arrested. I have some information on Halidol just because that was the drug of choice of my family member's guardian. And he was on five milligrams a day, not 0.55. And when we, um, we ended up getting a hold of a, what are they called? Forensic pathologist, which is like yes. the, um, okay, the autopsy. And we told him, you know, they ha- we had the medical records and we were showing them, you know, what it was. And he said, and this is what was really interesting, which shows it's like their genius on using this Halidol. He said that had he done an autopsy, he would not be able to tell if someone had overdosed on Halidol because what he would see, he said what it does is just ages the organs and all he would see in an autopsy was someone who died of old age. But what he told us is, and everyone get your camera phones out, he said the evidence is while they're alive, and we have that. What you're going to see, it's going to look like their face is a mask, kind of like this pulled back kind of motionless looking face. They call it a mask face. And you're also going to see in their body movements that they are, you know, they're not real smooth body movements. You're going to see like a more shaky, you know, there's a pattern to a Halidol overdose. But it's a mask face and this, this certain body movement. But the mask face, I mean, you can't just fake your face doing this mask look. And when you have that in your video, that's how you prove Halidol overdose. Because it will not show oh, up wow. in auto- it will not show up in an autopsy, and we went because we were going to take our family member out of the state of Pennsylvania because we didn't trust the whole state. So we found um, a, a top one in a university over there in New Jersey, and we were going to take him over there. And when we talked to him, he had told us basically, "This is, you know, I won't find anything." And we were so glad to talk to him and to know that we did have the video and the mask face and everything that he told us. So it really is a genius killer drug because if you do an autopsy with the Halidol, nothing's going to show up. It's basically going to say you died of old age, that your organs just age. Oh, wow. It's, disgust- it's disgusting. Mm. So the, well, the, the proof is in your life. So get videotape of your loved ones. If don't let them give you know, it to them. About well, yeah, if you can, if yeah, but if you have a guardian, you can't stop them. Oh, that's true. The judge yeah. Even, yeah, the judge will say, "Oh no, this is the right thing to do." So you videotape all that, and you know, get do it every few days, and that's going to be your evidence. So someday, when someday, when justice comes, you know, I'm just waiting for that day when we go to court. Someday, we have all the videotape of it. Wow. Well, the thing is, yeah. the cow doll is used to treat schizophrenia. Uh-huh. So why oh, are wow. they giving that to patients in the first place that are in hospice? It's for bipolar, right. mood disorders, schizophrenia. Why are they giving that to them? Yeah. 
And and because they're get, they have found it, with experimentation, just like what Hitler did in his days, they found that experimenting on get, like you said, Marty, with the not being able to swallow. If we give them this, then you know, and we give them the morphine with that. And one of my segments that I'll be talking about in two weeks is specifically on the drugs as to what they're giving them and how much they're giving them. But if you give them all these drugs, they've learned that these are the things that work the quickest and the best to keep the patient subdued, and that's what they're doing in nursing homes because they don't want them to get up and Mm -hmm. walk around. It makes them dizzy, and they can just, you know, they throw in a bed, and, you know, they've got that, oh, you know, the mouth O where they're just in a coma and you can walk them down the halls in a hospice facility because when my mom was in there, that's what I saw is you walk down the hall and everybody was laying there with their mouth open because they're dying because yeah. they're drugging them to death. But, yeah, how oh, yeah. dolls used for schizophrenia and just the sheer thought that they're using something on, you know, in your case, your loved one that who was not schizophrenic and that's, right. That proves that these drugs are not being used properly. Plus, there are warnings about using drugs with morphine, especially in the elderly, because they are more susceptible. But because they are the elderly and the point is to call the elderly, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Marcy, tell everyone about, I I don't know if all the listeners know what's called a ham sandwich and how people laugh about it. It's really disgusting. It is. That's um, the drug Haldol, Ativan, and morphine. And those are the three most common drugs that are used for hospice patients. And they do. The nurses, there's a Facebook group out there, Oh Hell, I'm a Hospice Nurse, and they have memes on it. And they joke about if the patient is not cooperating, we'll give them a ham sandwich. And they think it's funny. So that's a very good point cause because that is another part of this sadisticness that these nurses have and I'm like Marty I don't know how a nurse could do this day in and day out without feeling any remorse we um right. I was fortunate a year ago to meet uh, a young lady who was a respiratory therapist who had worked for hospice and she could not deal with what was going on in there she wound up you know, reporting it on numerous occasions, and she wrote a book, Killing for Profit, The Dark Side of Hospital. And her name is Michelle Young Dewars. And she was a hospice nurse, but she could not continue working for people who showed such lack of respect for the humanity. It cost her job, but she's okay with that because she still has her soul. She still has her compassion. But there are so many mm-hmm. nurses that are out there doing this, they don't care. And, and they, the researching no. says that people that do this show a pathological interest in the power of life and death, and they can be attracted to being a medical professional. profession. And oh, wow. a serial killer lacks a sense of compassion towards the patient. And the most right. commonly used method is with a lethal injection and that's what's happening to our loved ones i i i believe they're serial killers i don't know how you could do that so yeah, i have see, a couple I of have examples to agree with that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go ahead 
Um, I'd like to share a couple of examples. Now, I know most of our listeners are from the United Kingdom and the U.S., so I only am bringing up those examples and only people that are in the medical profession. And most of them are nurses, Mm -hmm. strangely enough, a couple of doctors. But in the United Kingdom, there was a case of Dr. Harold Shipman, and it shook across the country from 1975 to 98. He was a friendly local general practitioner who had been murdering elderly victims by injecting them with diamorphine and falsifying the medical records. His choice of patients, their ailing health, and his cool and reassuring manner to the family members ensured the deaths were attributed to poor health. When he was finally caught, they found his med- the medical records, a couple of family members had turned him in, and they believed the doctor murdered up to 250 of his patients. But he was only wow. tried and convicted of murdering 15 and they, he oh. was sentenced to life in prison. But check this out. In 2004, the coward hung himself. So it's okay for oh, you wow. to torture these people, but then when you were going to have to atone for it, you just take the easy way out. Yeah, yeah. So there was um, – and I'm looking at the ones that are that are high numbers. In New Jersey and Pennsylvania, Charles Cullen – is believed to have murdered, been murdering his patients for 16 years across nine different hospitals between 1987 and 2003. Some of the estimates of the patients that he murdered, 400. And this nurse had a personal history marked with suicide attempts, police investigations. He had a couple of stays in psychiatric wards. But nobody raised the alarm when his working practices were dangerous and not up to standards. He was reportedly fired five times from nursing roles and was still able to practice as a nurse at different hospitals and continue gaining access to patients. Why is that? Or is the the bucket so low standards that you will take somebody who has been fired and who's been in psychiatric wards? In, I is mean, there like, why don't they read these warning signs? Is there a nurses' union? Because then the unions always fight for you never to get fired. Well, but you should be vetted uh, before somebody hires you. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if you work any job, even if you work at, you know, McDonald's or, you know, Best Buy or whatever, you should be vetted, and there's a certain amount yeah. of checks you're supposed to do. And these are people who you are leaving with the patient. And, yeah. I, I mean, it was. I was just surprised by the number of people and what they did. There was one in 93 to 95 that in Indiana that she preyed on elderly patients and killed them with injections of potassium chloride, but they believe that there was 130 patients that she killed, but she was only tried for six. Mm. So in wow. their, um, 2008, Kimberly Saez murdered five dialysis patients in Texas, injecting them with bleach. Oh, God. And nobody noticed this? I mean, I would think if, yeah. that there would be certain things that would happen if you were injecting somebody with bleach that, I don't yeah. know, maybe it would make you really white or something. I don't know, but it seems that there would be certain 
something that would happen to your body if it was bleach or if it was, yeah. you know, Clorox or something, and that they would catch this, but they didn't. And for them to be able to kill that many people before being caught, just it, to me is shocking. Yeah, and you know, so, yeah, uh, with. I mean, I live in Wisconsin where there's like a, you know, we're kind of known for serial killers, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, Ed Gein. There's a smiley face. There's actually the smiley face killer. He hasn't been caught yet. I mean, um, in the, the numbers, like, was Jeffrey Dahmer, like 18 victims? And, and that was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And people are freaking out. But these numbers are outrageous. Right. You know? Right. Well, the, the most re, one of the most recent ones in um, 2018, Dr. William Hussle in Ohio, um, he was at Mount um, Carmel, and he killed, and these are the only the ones that he's been charged with, 25 patients, and the only reason is because it was greater than 500 micrograms of fentanyl. And fentanyl oh, wow. is 100 times stronger than morphine. So he was giving them, and it's in micrograms instead of milligrams, because the smallest amount, they, they were, in 2017, a lot of the police, if they got the powder on them, were going into convulsions, and they had to give them Narcon immediately to keep them from dying, just because they touched a grain of it. And this doctor wow. was giving more than 500 micrograms to a patient, and they were dying within 15 minutes. And you know what, his, what he says? And his attorney says for him what? he hasn't gone to trial yet. He was what? helping them. He oh. was helping them. And you know that he knew oh, giving that to them. And 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 that's just the ones that he's been, that they're going to try him for. Those that he gave 250 yeah. micrograms to, they're not trying him for that. Only over 500. Oh. So, and it, wow. but we do have some good news. Um, I just read yeah. today that CEO in Texas, Henry McInnes in Harlingen, Texas, was convicted on this Wednesday for 15 years. From 2009 to 2018, he enrolled people who did not qualify for hospice. And it's kind of like Bradley Harris in the, the Nova situation in Frisco, Texas. Yeah. But, and his was $60 million fraud, uh, Medicare and Medicaid. But this guy, Henry McInnes, was 150 million Medicare fraud. Now, how many of oh, those people Lord. were enrolled in hospice and were told that they're going to have less than six months to live? How many of them died while they were in there because they didn't get proper care? But what they're interested in, what they're concerned about, is how much money, money did you fraud? Uh-huh. That's what yeah. it's about. That's it's not way- about humanity. Yeah. No, that's the only way you take a lawyer down. You have to prove that they somehow did something wrong with uh, money. It's always like the retainer wasn't, they did something, you know, with the retainer or their bookkeeping or stuff. They never get taken down for their RICO and all their fraud. And it's always about money. Money. It's the only way yep. you seem to be able to get them. Right. It is it's always, You're right. Always. It's not about humanity. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And, I, you know, oh. I would be, I'm sad to say this, but honestly, I don't believe we're going to change it. I mean, I know, you know, people want to do legislative actions and, you know, what do we do to stop it? And I personally believe the only thing that we can do is to warn people and do not enroll in hospice because I think we are right. a long ways 
from, I mean, we're now we are legalizing murdering a baby even after it's born. Do you yeah. think that anybody's going to really care about the elderly? If you're going to no. murder yeah. an infant, yeah. they're not going to care about the elderly, seriously. So to me, you know, I'm just warning our listeners, do not enroll in hospice because they will kill you. And yeah. if you're guardianized, as Kaz said, you, you know, you don't have any control whatsoever. And by the time that you get and control, you, yeah. your loved one's going to be gone. You can, and you yeah, can't. I'd step you're... out in front of an 18-wheeler than to go to, you know, hospice and have them kill me slowly, painly, painfully like that. You know? Wow. What is it, Marty? You, you say know... take a 45? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's quicker. It's just, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. It's so interesting, like, the different mindsets be- behind, like, the different serial killers. Like, you think of, like, a, um, you know, like a Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, it was, he had his weird fantasy stuff. Or what was that? There was, um, oh, there was the one, he was in California. Shoot, I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, he was pretty scary. Ted Bundy. He's he oh, was yeah. scary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he looked normal. Everyone said he was charming, and you know, and and but yet, what was the mindset, and was it different? You know, had or or are they very similar in a way with you know these angels mm-hmm. of death? It seems like the angel, the angel killers, aren't they more women, and the men are the more of the. Uh, the everyone's always yeah. preying on someone that's weaker than them, so the men are preying on the women who are weaker than them. And now well, we have women preying on, like, you know, elderly and people who can't fight fight them off. Do you feel they're mostly women that are doing this stuff? Or are no, men doing I'm, I'm looking at my list here. When you were saying that, I'm looking at my list. And the majority of these are guys. Oh, and are the majority they? Okay. of them are we're nurses. I mean, there's some doctors, but when, you know, you look at Charles Cullen, Orville, Orville Majors, um, Kermit, Richard Angelo, Dr. William Hussle, CEO Bradley Harris. However, his wife was involved in that. Um, the CEO in Texas, Henry McGinnis. You know, I mean, it looks like it's kind of equal to me. Um, it's kind okay, of like yeah. a half and half. But, um, the other thing is that one of the nurses with CEO Bradley Harris in Nova Frisco, Texas, the nurse's name, and I find this incredibly ironic, her name is Jessica Love. And I'm like, wow, what a name oh. to have when you were so despicable. Yeah. But she had yeah. been, I was reading about her, she had been fired from her previous positions and in 2006, and she wasn't even supposed to be practicing nursing but yet she worked for ceo brad bradley harris and he she was the main nurse that he would send text messages to and say find me somebody to make him go bye-bye and she would brag that when she went on her shift that before she left her shift they would expire and she said she'd just give them a little bit more morphine and turn them on their left side and it'd do the trick. She brags about this, thinking that, you know, that's some kind of claim to fame because somebody will die oh. on your shift. What is wrong with you? These yeah. are sick that's people. Disgusting. And wow. she'd been fired this... and wasn't even supposed to be a nurse, and here she's a nurse killing these people, and they're concerned about how much money. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, we're it's commodities. Sick. I keep telling you. Well, we're commodities. I don't know. Have you guys seen um, Soylent Green? Yes, of course. I have not. Yes, Cause, have yeah. you seen it? No. Okay, Tell me well, about you it. Need to watch, yeah. <laughs> you need to watch Soylent Green <laughs> with Charlton Heston. Yeah. And okay, it is yep. a fictional. It was made, uh, Marty. I think it was 1973 that it yeah, came out. Yeah, it was way back there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it, it's supposed to depict New York City. Are you ready for this? In yeah. 2022. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. 2022. Yes. It's a futuristic movie, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but. It's it's a time where you don't have beef, you don't have trees, you don't have birds flying around. Um, Charlton Heston is an investigate an investigator working for the police, and he you know goes into somebody's apartment and they've got jam, you know, like strawberry jam or something, and that is a commodity that people just don't have. So he steals it, and this is from a really rich person, but he steals it. But people live in squalor, and you have curfews that you have to be they don't have to wear a mask but you have curfews that you have to be in by a certain time and if you're not they come by with a big trash truck sweep you up and throw you in the back of the trash truck and drive you off somewhere because you broke curfew they Uh provide food to the people and they come by and they throw food out, different colors of wafers, and everybody wants the green wafer because it's got protein in it. And they have other color wafers, I don't know, yellow and pink. Marty, I don't remember. That kind of wasn't important. Yeah. The green one was the one that everybody wanted. Yeah. But it's, and Marty, something that you said a while ago about people, you know, indentured servants and how if people just give you things and, you know, give you a place to sleep, put your head and give you food, you're going to eat whatever you get. And it's kind of like where we seem to be going now so that you get people to live off of the government and you can stay at home and the government will pay this, the government will feed you, the government will, you know, give you whatever kind of car they want you to have, live in whatever house they want you to live in. And, uh, this is scary because I look at 2022, what is it going to be like if we, you know, continue to head to a socialist environment? And Soylent Green, it, it's it's yeah. it's kind of scary that it was done in 73 depicting 22. So watch Well, the, the thing is, Soylent Green, yeah, <laughs> but what Soylent Green was, which was the end of the movie You're going to tell her? Was they You're going to tell her? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't have yeah. time to watch the movie now, and I'll still oh watch goodness. it when I can. Okay, everybody but, else but who, who doesn't want to hear this, spoiler, spoiler alert. Marty's going to tell alert. you what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, what it is is at the end they figure out that the green, well, any of the wafers, but the green in particular, uh, he said they're feeding us back to a soylent green is people. What scares me about that is that, uh, was it Oregon? I believe Oregon recently, or Oregon or Washington State, passed a law that it's all right now to compost human bodies. And yes. we've got vaccines that are made from human diploid cells. We have human diploid cells used in 
food products to make them taste better as flavor enhancers. Um, the vaccines they've got out now, they admitted were made from uh, cells from a 14-week-old aborted male Caucasian babies is what they're using. But they but not are feeding the us back to us. Not, right. not for yes. COVID. Oh, yes. No, COVID, yes, has, they COVID is made differently. It's a nucleic acid. COVID is very mm-hmm. different. It is not like the regular vaccines. You're right. All the other vaccines do have, you know, the diploids from aborted babies. But the COVID but one, Moderna which is came why it said they were using it. Well, I'll I heard you the a, AstraZeneca a has the aborted stuff in it, the AstraZeneca one. But my point is, they are using body parts. It's like somebody had said about, uh, Trump's going to stop abortion. No, he isn't. Well, yes, he is. He's going to defund. No, he's going to defund Planned Parenthood to get the federal government out of it. So it can be totally privatized. And if you think it's a horror show now, wait till they get done with that. I say there's too much money in these aborted babies, in body parts. In all this stuff they do, they're never going to shut this down. But and, they should. But they, yes, yes. I mean, they should and, do. When we talk yes. about that, you know, taking body parts and harvesting um, it, from anybody like that, that is that is, is so inhumane that it goes against, I, I just cannot believe anybody would accept that that's okay. I, I just can't. That, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that upsets me. I, I, watched, I watched a documentary once, and I think her name was, like, Lisa Ling or something like that. It was really good. So she's she's interviewing people who actually need, you know, different organ transplants. And there's this wait list here in the U.S., and, you know, it's going to be years and years and years, and they're in their 50s, and they're on the bottom of the list, and they're not going to make it. And it was a tourism. They would go to China. And they yes. go, you know, get some kind of test, you know, see who the match is. And they have all these prisoners. And they would just go and, you know, basically find the prisoner that was the match and, boom, kill him, take kill that him. organ. Yes. And, and, and she was interviewing, I mean, this is disgusting. This is like everyday American that lives in the suburb, you know, interviewing this man. You know, how do you feel about knowing that, you know, this is – this is, you know, what happened for yeah. you to get your organ and for you to have your life. Well, you know, I have my family and da 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 And, I, I, I mean, I guess um, there, but I go but the grace of God. But, like, I, ha- I sit there and I question, would I do something like that? You know, yeah. go no, not, to some not other would country. You, but would you do it? Would you do it for your child? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, right. I never want to point a finger because I've learned to say, "Don't say what you're going to do until you're going through it." But right, right. I yeah. was really horrified at like a very selfish action that I hope right. that I mm-hmm. wouldn't make those decisions. But I, I mean, it's just it it was unreal, and all these people that was yeah. the tourism, and they were going to China and. This is what, you know, boom, you have an organ because they knew every, you know, all the prisoners. And they have a lot of, like, in China, they are not just, like, criminal prisoners that they have in there. They have, like, religious prisoners and political prisoners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yep. for, I mean, it's all sorts of people who are in those prisons, and you just took one of their lives so that you could and get, you know, probably, or whatever. 
a money there Girls. again. It's a money thing. They had to pay for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've got a we've got a caller on here. Hang on a second. Area code seven six five. Hmm. Did you have a question or comment? Ah, uh, just a comment. It's Steve from Indiana. Hello. Uh, good night. Hello, everybody. You hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Oh, good. Oh, this is Steve from Indiana. Just calling to make a comment here. Um, it's our system uh, that's engineered in this country. Um, like in Japan, for example, we've got divisions of 90 and 100-year-olds running marathons. It's that mm-hmm. the, the system that the medical system that's engineered in this country is to control how long Americans live, to reduce the population. Um, it's unfortunate, but the medical system was engineered out of Rockefeller Medical University in New York City. It was engineered like in the 30s and the 40s as when they really engineered the medical system that's in this country. Uh, John Rockefeller bought out the medical schools 100 years ago, bought them yes. out. And if you if you weren't supporting Big Pharma, you lost your job. Uh, this man was so rich he would even donate money to the federal government. That is just how rich he was type of person he was, but a businessman that just dominated uh, culture from the education system. But the human body is a lot more powerful than people think it is. You know, we've got like 100-year-olds in Japan running marathons. They have a strong, extreme culture on responsibility in Japan. They will fine employers up to millions of dollars for overweight employees in Japan. They have a way better wow. medical system. The healthcare cost is much lower. It's through the floor compared to what we pay for healthcare costs. So a lot of times you have psychological programs that go on in this country, and people don't understand where they came from, like the germ theory, for example, from 160 years ago. And the Nation of Islam is very aware of all of this intelligence and all of this information. The vaccines and flu shots and stuff like that, that was – that that came from Africa thousands of years ago with like the smallpox vaccine. If you have unclean water, water viruses, you have a population that doesn't have well good hygiene, then you really qualify for like a vaccine or flu shot, things like that. But with the, the way our water is clean, the way our hygiene is good, our population really doesn't qualify for vaccines and flu shots. We've got people in this country that have been 70 years yeah. without even getting sick. And a lot of American people don't know that. They don't know um, when a vaccine is necessary, that they're adding lethal ingredients to the vaccines, even the children's vaccines that cause autism. Yes. And a lot of times, and so what they do, they'll come on and say, you know, uh, Farrakhan's, uh, you know, he hates Jews, and they'll talk against the nation of Islam. But these people will go to the CDC. They'll interview the doctors at the CDC that, you know, they're, they're trying to let mm-hmm. the American people know that this system is not – you don't have the best healthcare system in the world. That would be Japan. You you don't know what the mm-hmm. human body can do. You can run a marathon at age 100. <laughs> but because you don't know that, you think America is the best, and it's just not. And the politicians no. are really there to protect the system, unfortunately. But that's that's why we have a lot of suffering going on and – it's just unfortunate that the media, you know, the media really runs well, everything. We the Bible, even, on them even at the all. Christian, mm-hmm. even the Christian Bible tells you in Corinthians. The Bible tells you in the Book of Corinthians that Satan's the god of this world. Well, if Satan's the god of this world. You can't trust the media. You can't trust corporate America. You can't trust anything. These 
These businesses have 500-year business plans. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. This germ theory, the guy that created it 160 years ago, when he died on this deathbed, he specifically said when he died on this deathbed, he was paid to create the junk science known as the germ theory. It was a junk yeah. science that he created. Right after he created that, that's when the uh, vaccine started killing people around World War One. The soldiers were required to take it, yeah. killed a lot of them. And so yep. adding lethal ingredients to something that used to be really good for people that had unclean water and terrible hygiene, and you really don't qualify for flu shots and vaccines and stuff like that. You right. need vitamin D. There you, go. you can't breathe oxygen without magnesium. You can't breathe oxygen without right. vitamin D. People think you breathe for free. You don't breathe for free. You need nutrients to breathe oxygen. You need potassium to breathe oxygen. You need calcium to breathe oxygen. But because they come out and demonize the nation of Islam or demonize people that really know the knowledge, we can't get through to the American people because they think, you know, you know, uh, nation of Islam and Paracon and other people don't yeah. know what they're talking about. No, no, we know, we know, we know the psychological programs okay. and operations that go okay. on. But sir, excuse me, but we're not we're we're not here to talk about religions or you know uh, anything else. I appreciate yeah. the knowledge you brought to this. But I, it's a conversation I, I really don't want to have. I've been in it many times over the years. It's nonproductive. And, um, oh, the religion, but yeah. I do want to thank you for calling. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank too. you. Thank you. But, but he's absolutely right in that we have terrified the Americans into believing that they need to take this vaccine and that that's the only way yeah. out of it. Um, I want to well, get back on Sharon, topic. Marcia, the thing is, look, mm-hmm. what are they doing now? Because they said 60% of the population either is hesitant or refuses to take that vaccine. So what did we do? We created the concept of an artificial shortage. There, there's not going to be enough. You better get yours. Because well, we, right we don't have, have enough. Mine. Yeah. Somebody can have mine. You take mine, please. Yes, but this um, is what they do, and so the public's response is, "Oh, I'm going to get cheated if I don't go now and get mine. I might not get it." And they'll run. What's the matter with well, you? They got on, this stuff sitting by the truckload. Yeah. On that, um, that brings up a good point. I've heard people talking, and they're very upset because their loved one is 84 years old or 80 or whatever and is in a nursing home, and they're upset because some other people are being put in front of the line and are getting this vaccine before their loved one. I personally, my dad's 93. He's not taking it. And I believe that because the elderly are the most vulnerable, that is exactly why you do not want them to take that shot. And it states in there they have absolutely no liability for this vaccine. If you get sick or if you die, there is no liability when you take this vaccine. And so to want your elderly person to get it because you want to protect them because they are the most susceptible to getting it and maybe not surviving it, maybe that's true. If they're tre- if they're not treated properly, then I would say that's right. true. But it's because they're not going to treat them with the erythromycin. I mean, I'm sorry, hydroxychloroquine, or give them zinc, no. or give them you know vitamins and stuff to try to keep them healthy. But I would never 
step up in front of the line and say, yes, I want my elderly person to have this shot first off. You need it. They're guinea pigs right now, yeah. and I wouldn't take it later yes. anyway. So if you're worried that your loved one's not getting it and they're elderly and they're in a nursing home and you're pushing for them to get it, do some research. It, that's yeah. not the safest thing for them, in my no. opinion. Well, and it's doctor. not been tested. They did not test it on no. the elderly. There's been no, no testing done, and they keep telling you, see, and they're priming the public. You listen to and right. I try never to listen to mainstream media, but even in written articles and stuff, they're priming the public. Well, no, we didn't test it on the elderly. And, you know, that doctor got on CNN. You know, if a, if, now don't be alarmed if, if many of the elderly die after the vaccination. They're at the end of their life anyway. They're in nursing homes and everything like So we're going to go test this out on them. If it kills them, don't get upset because, hey, what the hell. Um, right. It just, And then, you know, out in the public, uh, we, we didn't have time to test and the frail elderly, so we're taking a chance, but we gotta we got to try. And they know damn well it's most likely if it doesn't kill them today, it'll kill them tomorrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a and well, there have been people that are younger. You know, there's that doctor. He had the the shot, the two shot Pfizer, I think it is. But he died within five hours after that. He yes. had, yeah. You know, he started having symptoms and he died. And they're like, we don't know why. We don't know what happened that caused him to die. But the point is, it's not tested. The point is, you're a guinea pig, right. and they are That's trying right. to terrify yes. people. And tell them if you don't take it, you can't fly on a plane, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, by the way, even if you do take it, you still have to wear a mask. That's not going to keep yeah. you from having to wear a mask. Yeah. So um, well, and back to something you, you said. You can't go here, you can't go there. Yeah, and right. all of this other Staying stuff, on. and you can't fly on a The air, airlines are already in big trouble because mm-hmm. flight is way down. People aren't going mm-hmm. anywhere, right. and if they are, making their own arrangements aside from all of this. And so they're already in trouble. And then from what I've seen, the backlash on you may have to have this COVID certificate. No, uh, that violates my constitutional rights, which says that I have the right to travel freely without government interference. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. But see, we've gotten so far away from the Constitution. You know, here uh, over these lockdowns and things, there, there's a site called... Um, Lost Horizons. This guy does stellar work on constitutions and stuff. But anyway, he put out this uh, piece here a while back, and it was these, he called them constitutional keys in various states' constitutions that said under no circumstances could a governor or any of their agents, under any circumstances or even some claimed emergency, interfere with daily life, shut down businesses, or anything else. They can't do this. And... When I talk to people in those states, yes, and I said, but your state constitution says that they, not only can they not do it, they cannot enforce it if they try to. And the response was, without fail, I didn't know my state had a constitution. What? Are you sure we got I, I Yes, you do. Knowledge is power. Yeah. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. it. They they did not know their state had a constitution. Um, we'll try reading it sometime. It's like our constitu- federal constitution. Everybody says, when you ask them, how big do you think that is? Well, you know, it's that page, and it's got her bill of rights. 
that document is 332 pages long. It isn't just a piece of paper that says they, you know, you have the right to say whatever you want to and blah, blah, blah. There's, there's way more to it. And, but people don't know. They weren't taught it. I wasn't even taught it in school. And I, well, I don't know. Well, we may have um, been. I just wouldn't remember it from then. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know, no, I don't ever you remember. You pay more attention when you get older. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I think you'd. School is wasted on the young. And um, yeah. so is youth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and, uh, but it's just, uh, you know, all of this stuff, this is, we are being treated overall as if we're, we're absolutely nothing. We're, we're a nuisance. We're in their way. How can they get rid of us? Yet at the same time, without us, they've got no revenue. <laughs> You know what I'm saying to me? They got nothing. And so it's a matter of what to do. But go back to that movie, Soylent Green. I honestly believe because they're creating fake meat in the labs. And now they mm-hmm. even created some stuff to make it look like their fake meat bleeds. Oh, uh, chicken. Uh, that yeah. Sounds that oh, it's that. Did yeah. you tell me that they're creating chicken nuggets from the feathers? Well, it isn't the feathers. What they do is they take... It's called offal, O-F-F-A-L. This is all the scrap off the slaughterhouse floors. They scrape the bones. They take all the cartilage, the tendon, uh, the hoo-hahs, the wahoos, uh, everything that isn't in that pack of chicken you buy, and they mush this all together. And then they dry it, sort of, and then out of the blood from the chickens, they make a hemoglobin glue. They call it a glue. And they take the red blood cells out of it so it isn't red. And then this mush, they run through these machines. And, like, have you ever seen a pack of, um, like, chicken nuggets one year for Halloween? All of, them, all of the chicken nuggets were shaped by bats. And my granddaughter said, yeah. oh, can we get yeah. those? And I said, how many chickens have you seen that had body parts that were shaped like bats? And they looked at me, I said, "That's no, we're not eating that. But what they do is they force this sludge out. It's called pink slime. Yeah. They shape it however they shape. They add this hemoglobin glue to it so it binds together, but it's basically the consistency of sawdust. Now, the way you can check this out is if you get a piece of it, put it in a bowl of water, and it will come apart and look just like sawdust laying in the water. But this is, this is what this is. And But now they've got this fake meat. And now we've got states composting dead bodies. I'm sorry, but I'm getting scared here. How far are um, we from I think Soylent think, Green? Yes. How far are we from Soylent Green? And mm-hmm. since we're already using body tissue, cord tissue, uh, in the vaccines, in so many other things, food and all of that, how far are we? from mm-hmm. Soylent Green. Right. right. I, I just, so I didn't see, you know, and, do they the, have a happy ending yeah. in Soylent Green? No, it does Is not. No. Oh, no, it does okay. not. No. Yeah, Charlton Heston oh. dies. Oh. Yeah. No, there is no, there is no happy ending to, to it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that movie so, comes um, up with a whole what are things, of people. Yeah. I, I want to go back yeah. to go um, a, a warning here that 
you were talking, Kaz, you were talking about in China that they had gone over and gotten body parts. I want to yeah. remind our listeners, or if you don't know this, I want to let you know this. There is, in 1976, they came out with an Anatomical Gift Act. What that means yes. is where you used to put on your driver's license that I want to be an organ donor. You are considered an organ donor automatically because of this Anatomical Gift Act. So you don't have to do anything mm-hmm. to be an organ donor. Don- donator. In order to not have your organs harvested for somebody else under whatever circumstances, you must complete a form that says, I am not an organ donator. And the yeah. website, Halo, H-A-L-O, voice, all one word, dot org, has that form that you can get. Go online, halovoice.org, and you can get a, nope, I don't want to be an organ donor. And the other, I've had Dr. Paul Byrne, he's a neonatalist, and he's been on my program, an excellent, excellent guest. And he will tell you, in case you're not aware, to be an organ donor, the donor must be alive. You cannot take parts from them if they are dead. And he has been in an operating room where they went to take his organs from someone and a tear came down the guy's face. That is where he said, yeah. nope, I can." he realized at that point that these people are alive, they are awake, even though you have put them in twilight because you can't completely knock them out because the heart's got to continue to beat and it's not going to be a healthy organ if you do completely knock them out because of the drugs. So they're only in twilight. They can feel pain, and they also can hear, and they know what it is you're doing. And he, at that time, then became an advocate against harvesting body organs. And it's a big, right. big money-making industry to harvest organs. So you want to get a do not take my organs. And even if yeah. you're can't dead, your family over? Can't your family override all this stuff? No. Override, don't take my organs? Uh-huh. Not if I've got a form and I have a medical power of attorney that is very, very clear in what I want. And everybody should have not a living will, and you should never, ever sign a do not resuscitate. But you no. should have a medical power of attorney that names someone that you trust to speak for you if you cannot. And if you still can speak for yourself, make sure they understand these are what my wishes are. I mean, in in society, cause I guess anybody can do anything. I mean, uh, we see so much happening, but your loved one should not be able to override what you have documented and have signed and had it witnessed and um, certified. But you need to have that in place before you get into a situation where you're in the hospital and you can't think or maybe you're unconscious. And if you have a do not resuscitate that you've already signed with your doctor's office or somewhere, you need to get it back, tear it up, and let them know that you want them to do everything possible. It used to be that if you signed a DNR, it just meant if my heart stops and I can't be resuscitated, just... I don't want to live on an oxygen machine the rest of my life and be a vegetable. That used to be what people thought of as signing a do not resuscitate. I don't want to be a vegetable. That is not what it means today. It means if you're on the 
cable and your heart stops, they will not do the paddles to bring you back. It means they will do nothing. So signing a DNR right. does not mean I don't want to be on an artificial lung the rest of my life. Wow. Yep. There you go. Yeah. It's <laughs> we're, living in the, we're living in like a real-life house of horrors. We yes. are. We're in a Stephen King Isn't movie. it, though? I know. Yeah. 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 So one of the things yeah. that um, that I checked on about common traits for among um, healthcare professionals, predominantly nurses who carry out these crimes, so criminologists did some studies on it, and they've identified a number of character traits and behaviors when combined may be a warning sign for potential medical serial killers, and those are a history of mental instability, preference for night shifts Mm -hmm. or shifts with less staff and supervisors on duty, history of difficult personal relationships, a tendency to predict when a patient might die, felt the patients Mm. were a burden to them and an annoyance, or had a problem with substance misuse, and often moved from hospital to hospital. And I, I know in the case with my mom that there was a nurse there that she seemed overly interested in talking to us about her grandfather and how when he died she was touching his shoulder and he reached his hand up and I thought I was touching the hand of God and it was so peaceful. It was just so rewarding. And looking back on that, my sister and I said, do you think she thought she'd be in Mama's room when she killed Mama and that she could feel this, you know, divine intervention with God or something? And I really do believe... It is, and I believe that there is something broken in them, and there is a sickness for anybody that can do what they do. If you were, right. I think, a normal person, you would have compassion, and you would say, I can't do this. That person was sitting up, right. and I'm looking at the charts, and we gave them you know, morphine and Haldol and Ativan and fentanyl, and then we gave it to them again. I know enough about nursing to know that we just put them in a coma, and I would not right. be able to do that. And if that meant that I, right. you know, am a Walmart greeter or, you know, McDonald's fry flipper, then I would have to do that. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, well, I say what bothers me is that they do this every single day, numerous times a day, go home to mm-hmm. their families like nothing happened, come back to work the next day, do it all over again. That really concerns me. What is going on in their mind that allows them to do this? What is it that Mm -hmm. they think they're doing? You know, uh, it's just absolutely, and I say they're running loose in the community. I mean, they they have to know what those drugs are doing. If they know anything about nursing, then they've read Mm -hmm. what I've read about the side effects from those drugs. So they have to know. But if they haven't read that yeah. and they don't know and they're just willy-nilly just, you know, giving it to them and they don't know, they're a terrible employee. And if they do know, which I believe they do, that you can't see somebody sitting up one day, come in the next day, and they're in a coma, and then there's another patient yeah. there, and two days later they're in the same state that that one was, but yet you saw them sitting up and eating and drinking. You know, a clue gene has got to strike and say there's something <laughs> seriously wrong with this. Right? Yeah. 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 And that what gets me the other part of it that I think is so sick is their not only their willingness, 
but their ability to stand and lie to the family, mm-hmm. knowing they're conning them, that they're murdering their relative or whomever, uh, and do it again day after day. Mm-hmm. Um, but to tell these lies. And well, Marty, I, tell them when you went to that volunteered hospice what happened. Oh, that was many years ago. Uh, oh, God, God, I can't even think of how long ago that was. But it was an intake, and this is when hospice, it was all volunteer. And But it was it had to been back around Obamacare because this is when the change came. And I went to an orientation because I thought I'd, I'd do some hospice where, you know, do volunteer. And they were in there talking about how to convince the family that, you know, they were at the end of the road and what all they had to do and talk about taking food and water from them and about how you're doing the kindest thing and you need to... And I thought, what? what? Wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. And things to say to the family while you went about your dirty work. And um, I had to get up and leave. I thought, I can't do this. I, I can't I can't be this cruel. And um, but that's it it was a whole different thing. When they changed it under Obamacare, it became a whole different thing. And now it is just government sanctioned murder. That's all it is. They mm-hmm. get paid to get rid of as many elderly people as they possibly can. And you put it in the hospice setting well and they're running on that old branding. Well, they were in hospice. You know, they took care of them. Go to that nursing home in New York where they put those sick people in there. They said they were sick. Into that nursing home. And four days later, hospice shows up. The reason Mm -hmm. is because they're used to dealing with death. I think a better line would have been because they're used to causing death. They go Mm -hmm. in. Five days later, they leave. Everybody's dead. Jim, wonder what happened there. And Did I pull it, Marty? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, it's a revolving yeah, yeah. door. Yes, it's a revolving door. Well, they had told you at that because um, this this set with me when you were talking um, about what you were told that that they would tell the patient you've lived a really long life and you just need yes. to let go and you don't need to be hanging on and it's time for you to go. Put so, your family you, know, you don't want this. your loved one to don't. stand around here and watch this. So you just need, I mean, basically they're telling them die. You just yes. need to let go and yes. die. And then they told the families, don't try to hold on to your loved one and keep them. Don't make them feel like that they have to stay here for you. Tell them it's okay. You yep. can go now. You, you know, it's okay for you to die. And I, when you yep. told me that, I thought, how cool to talk to someone like that. I mean, why would you even tell a patient, yep. well, you know, you're dying now? I mean, what is yep. wrong with people? Why would you say that to yep. someone? And you're right. You've they had a long say, life. They, mm-hmm. they, are, they are taught how to manipulate the patient and the family, and they will say, well, these are the signs of dying. Yes, you are right. Those are the signs of dying because you have now put my loved one into a coma. They can't drink. They can't eat. They can't think. They can't urinate. They're not getting moisture, and they'll come in and look to see, you know, how much urine there is and how dark color it is so that they can um, predict when your loved one's going to die. 
And yes. you know, I can remember them coming in there. And now, I mean, looking back on everything, I would do things mm-hmm. so much differently. And and when they told me yeah. I couldn't take my mom to the hospital, I would have wheeled her out. I would have called the police. I would have attacked people. I don't care. I would have gotten my mama out yeah. of there. But I didn't yeah. know until it was too late. And that's why I do the shows, because I don't want anybody else to go through what our family right. went through, even though I know that, you know, all the people that have been on my program that are victims, they've been through it. And they've and it's the same drugs, mm-hmm. it's the same smarmy lies that were given, this, mm-hmm. you know, same time frames, everything. It is sickening what they do to our loved ones. And because yes, not all of them are old, the one Wednesday, you know, he was 46 years old, so it's not like he was an older person. But right. it's sick, and it's inhumane, Yes, and these people are serial killers. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. agree. I do. I, I agree, too. and I don't think that's conspiratorial, and I don't think it's uh, ratcheting things up for drama. I don't think any of those things. You're looking at cases. You're looking at what's happened, your own experience. Mm-hmm. And these people come and go every day to work and do this stuff. And like I say at the same time, the public's being conditioned, especially younger people, mm-hmm. are be- being conditioned to believe that old people should just hurry up and die. Isn't that what one of the young mod squad senators said? They're old, it's time for them yeah. to die? Well, what yeah, is the yeah. age? AOC what said is the that. age? Yeah. What what yeah. is the age? What's that, the sweet spot? Is it if you're over sixty five well, because now you're gonna get Medicare or is it seventy? I mean, what's the sweet spot? Well that one doctor came out and said, um, there's no point in anybody living past seventy five. He said, you know, your life's just over at that point and he, there's no point in anybody living past that age. And I thought, Oh you know, God And then like I say, the one gets on T V and says, you know, don't be alarmed if elderly people start dying after vaccination because they're in nursing homes. They're at the end of their lives anyway. And it, it's like, so we're going to go in and experiment on them and don't get upset because, hey, you know, they're wasting good stuff anyway. But, yeah, go ahead. You know, we got about well, three, I was going to say, here, my, so. my son's grandmother-in-law, so I, I call her my daughter, but her her grandmother is will be 94 in April. She cuts her own grass. Mm-hmm. She uses a weed whacker. She plants her own garden. She burns wood for her wood stove and brings it in and puts it in the wood stove every year. Uh-huh. I mean, she outworks me. She repaints every other year, every third year. She repaints her kitchen. I don't know how many other rooms she yeah. She takes down her curtains. She washes all of her curtains. She does spring cleaning. She does fall cleaning. She can stuff all the time. This woman works circles around me. She'll be 94 years old in April. Wow. 94. Wow, and wow, to say wow. that, I mean, somebody at 75, <laughs> I mean, this woman is amazing, very healthy. I don't think she takes any drugs, but she's just an incredibly healthy woman. Well, you know, the, the, the she's worked too, her whole life. It, at this whole, at this age, most people—I'm not one of them—but most people have been so poisoned with medications and vaccines, they are so sick from what doctors did to them. And one of the things when I go to the doctor, I don't have high blood pressure, don't have diabetes, don't have any of that stuff. 
and they will actually buck up and go, well, how do you account for that? Say what? <laughs> well, well, how did you get away without you know, What are you upset about? Well, I'd just I'd like to know how you accomplished that. I stayed away from you people, that's how. Exactly. And I don't take medications. I don't do right. vaccines. Imagine that. But you know, we've got about two minutes here. Go ahead. I was reading an article. It was like it was like an article, like a life or something. And they interviewed centurions, and I read each one, and they all, you know, some of them were smoking and drinking, and you know, all these things. But mm-hmm. the one thing they all had in common, all five of them that they highlighted, they didn't go to the doctor. I read it like exactly. twenty years ago. I'm like, huh, that's yep. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and I haven't been in 25 years. <laughs> you haven't been to the doctor in 25 years? No. Not even for a checkup? It, no, no. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank Girl, you. Girl, you take and, uh, I, <laughs> I know, I'm going to try to, like, trying to, like, you know, keep keep my, uh, go, you know, if it ain't broke, why do I get, you know? What, yeah. Is it right. that, you know, well, that's really... With me, uh, normally, other than this recent bout I had with bronchitis, if I go to the doctor once or twice a year, it's a big deal. I just don't go. But I've only got 90 seconds left here. Uh, Marsha, this went way too fast, and it was way too good. And Kazi, thank you for kicking in tonight. <laughs> I'm always getting after her about talk more, talk more. And, I'm listening. Uh, <laughs> learning. <laughs> yeah, but this was a very, very good and informative interview. And please tune in to Marcia's show. It's on Wednesday night, uh, every other Wednesday, and he covers this sometimes as an informational show, but most times families reporting how their, their loved one was murdered by hospice. Um, sometimes these shows will rip your heart out. And um, But anyway, we're still fighting the battle between that and guardianship. Good Lord, help us all. Um, I think we're we're targeted. But anyway, as a reminder, shows are brought to you by Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C. And we will be back Sunday night with Tanya Talks. And with that, Marcia, cuz, I'll say good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. Night, I appreciate girl. it. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.